0: Dr. Jason Lancaster.
1: My last church was in walk and distance from Northwestern University, and in 2014, Northwestern University came up with this audacious fundraising campaign program where they were going to raise $3.75 billion in 10 years. It was more than ever been raised in Chicago in the top ten to fundraising efforts by a university in America. And, and it was a huge endeavor, and they're still in it. I don't know if they have completed it yet, but that was big. You know, there's something about humans and in institutions where we want to do big things. We dream big. It's just it's the way we've been made. And some of you at one time had big dreams to accomplish big things. Maybe you, you even do now. And even as believers, we think we want to accomplish big things for God. We want to live for His glory, live for His praise. And that means we want to try and attempt things by His Spirit for His glory, big things. But our even you know, in our more sober and introspective moments, we realize that we are weak. We are broken people. And if we're honest... Some of us are having a hard time just making it through the daily routines of life. And you're thinking, I ain't got time to even think about doing big things for God. I'm just trying to survive the day. And maybe you're wondering, hey, how's God going to use little old you? And maybe you feel unusable. But this morning is going to be massive encouragement from the Word of God because this morning we're going to talk about This supernatural living that God can empower you to grow and serve and love and do big things for him. And as one author has put it, we're going to talk about supernatural living for natural people. Supernatural living for natural people. And I hope by the time we're done with Romans 8 today, that will be a reality for you. You'll be walking throughout this week about supernatural living through natural people. Let's go and turn to Romans 8. We've been building a case over the last several weeks, a case for Christ-like change. We've been asking the question, do people really change? Do you really change? Are you always going to be the way you are or is there this progressive sanctification where you will change? And we've been building this case, and let me just tell you how it's been going. Several weeks ago, we we said with number one, we said, expect a change. When to confess our sin, receive rescue. Then we talked about embracing our death and resurrection and union with Christ. We moved on to exercising our freedom, become who you are. Talked about strategizing for righteousness. Last week, Romans 7, and we talked about acknowledging the struggle. And this morning, we're going to talk about cooperate with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit in a group like ours who come from a variety of different uh, traditions, you may have a lot of things in your mind with regard to the Holy Spirit. Some of you are thinking, okay, we're going to be talking about these extravagant manifestations of tongue speaking and prophecy and miracles, and that's what you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit. And then some of you, when you think about the Holy Spirit, you don't think about anything at all. Because that's the way the Holy Spirit works in your life. You're like, that's for all charismatics. We're just kind of like, whatever. No, no. We're not going to do either one of those extremes where we're going to think about, oh, it's got to be about these extravagant gifts or it's all about a bunch of nothing. Once again, we're going to be talking about this supernatural living for natural people that God actually wants to use you to impact people in this world. He wants to use you to live a holy life or this supernatural living through you, a very natural person where you can live to the glory of God. That's where we're going we're going to kind of do a little progression here, just kind of give you a heads up of where we're going. We're going to talk about in verses 1 through 4 how the Holy Spirit indwells and gives life. Then we'll move on to the Holy Spirit transforms hearts and minds. And the Holy Spirit brings future resurrection. And then he ministers best through the cooperation of believers. Oh, this is going to be so good. Let's do this. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This famous verse follows Romans 7 that talked about the struggle. If you struggle with sin, you may even wonder, am I a believer? Am I a believer? I still struggle with sin. And we follow up with, thanks be to God, who will rescue us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me bump into Romans 8 saying there is... there is there. For now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Meaning this, before you were a believer, God's wrath was on you. You die, you face him holiness, he will send you to hell forever. I know we don't like talking about hell and death. And I don't know we don't like talking about wrath in church. And if you don't like talking about hell and wrath in church, then Romans 8, 1 will mean nothing to you. Because we are saying in Romans 8:1 that his wrath and anger is no longer aimed at the one who is in Christ Jesus. That on the cross, Jesus was bearing the wrath of God, not you. And through faith, you can be forgiven, declared righteous in Christ, and live forever. Therefore, now, there is no condemnation for you who are in Christ. Now, I want you to listen to this. I want you to put your name in the blank, Okay. There's therefore now no condemnation. Do you see that little thing there? For put your name there. I'll say Jason. There's therefore now no condemnation for Jason who's in Christ Jesus. You can put your name there. You can think about that there. And you may think, yeah, but I did something that I don't know if it's forgivable. I did it a long time ago, or I did it last night, or I did today, or I might do bad stuff tomorrow. I want you to look at this quote from R.C. Sproul. This is this is an amazing quote. This is. This is an amazing quote. Let me put this up for you if I even have it. Okay, he says this. He says, Those in Christ will not be condemned today for yesterday's sin, or today for today's sin, or for tomorrow for tomorrow's sin or ever. Let me read that to you again. Those in Christ will not be condemned today for yesterday's sin, or today for today's sin, or tomorrow for tomorrow's sin or ever. Do you believe that? It's not because you're a good person. It's because Jesus is good. It's not because you did good works. No, because Jesus did the good works. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's go home. I mean, we can just stop right there. Twelve more verses. All right. (laughs) Let's do this. It's still good. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, when it says law here, don't think in the terms of Ten Commandments, but think in the terms of a law of this power or authority that's somehow inside of you. And now the power of the Holy Spirit has given you freedom from the authority of sin and death. You see, sin and spiritual separation from God are no longer dominating your life because the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. Now, I keep going back to this uh, imagery I gave you a couple of weeks ago about these two fields. Remember the two fields? Every human being is born into this field over here. It's got a high stone wall with no doors. And in this field, we are all condemned. We are ruled by sin. We are ruled by Satan. There's no way of getting out. And then the crane of grace reaches down, picks us up, pulls us over to this field. And in this field, we are ruled and dominated by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He is now our master. And the idea is, as you've been transferred from this field of sin and death to freedom in Christ, the word says here now that the Holy Spirit has set you free. The Holy Spirit has set you free. You're no longer under the control of Satan, no longer under the control of sin and death. You are free. Now, do you believe that? Shortly after I became a believer in two thousand. I don't know when it was, a long time ago. I was 19. And and when I became a believer, I started journaling. And I've been journaling for the past 30 years. And if you got to read my journal, by the way, I told my kids, you can read all my journals after I die. Have fun. Not before. But if you read my journal, you you would say, man, what is wrong with this guy? Because my journal or my prayers, and in, in the prayers, I'm, I'm just I'm crying out to God with some things I'm struggling with and some challenges. And if you were reading my journals, you would say, man, you don't seem free. You seem like there's this war that's going on. But I tell you this, if I journaled the first 19 years of my life, you would see something else. You would see another war going on. You would see a war with a child, a teenager, and a young man who was at war with God. And when the grace of Jesus invaded my life at 19 and set me free, I am now free indeed. And so are you in Christ. I know the challenges remain. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's move on. Verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, now we're talking about the Ten Commandments, the, all the, whole, the rest of the laws, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Um, these these two verses are absolutely amazing, because what they're describing is something I like to call the Trinitarian invasion of what God has done in our life, the Trinitarian invasion, because these verses describe how the Father sends the Son, the Son deals with sin, and the Holy Spirit empowers new life, and that's all crammed into these two verses. Let me just kind of pull back so I can explain for a little bit, okay, the Father sends the Son, all right? God the Father. He sends the Son to deal with sin. We can't be saved by the law. The law cannot save us it because it's weak. We cannot keep it. Our flesh is weak. Okay, it reveals our sin. All right, so the Father sends the Son. The Son comes in the likeness of sinful flesh, uh, not, not 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 a sinner, but in the likeness of sinful flesh, taken, taken on flesh, and the Son dies on the cross, bearing the wrath of God in your place. So the father in this verse sends the son and the son comes in the likeness of the flesh. He bears the wrath of the father in our place. And at the very end of verse four, it says, we are the people who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Wow, these two verses, Trinitarian invasion, the father sends the son, the son deals with sin and the Holy Spirit empowers this newness of life. That's amazing. Keep going. We move on to the Holy Spirit doing this transforming work in our minds. Verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, these right here, this verse, not talking about commands. These are descriptions of the reality of those who live according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. There are two distinct realities. There's basically only two kinds of people in the whole wide world, those without the Spirit and those with the Spirit, those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. And it says specifically here that those living according to the flesh are still in Adam. They set their mind on corruptible things, things of the flesh. But those who are in Christ live according to the Spirit Their minds are set on the things of the Spirit. And those who live in the Spirit, we're talking about believers, have different values, different thinking than those without the Holy Spirit. And Paul specifically says this. Let me read this to you in 1 Corinthians 2.14. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, of dolphins talking to one another, okay, and humans listening to dolphins talk to each other. Something is being said between them, but we don't quite understand what they are saying. And that the same goes for the person without the Spirit. The person without the Spirit, he or she can't understand the ways of God because they are functioning only in an earthly realm. When unbelievers act like unbelievers, don't be surprised. So many times, people are so shocked because unbelievers do what unbelievers do they think like people without the Spirit, they act like people without the Spirit. Do not be shocked. Be shocked when believers do that, but do not be shocked when unbelievers do that because the clarity here from here is those without the Spirit are living according to the flesh. All right? Verse 6 and 8, he takes it even further. For the mind set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have great neighbors that don't believe in Jesus. They, they recycle. They pick up after their dog. They get my mail when I'm out of town. They're great, nice people. And yet it says here, those without the Spirit are hostile to God. They are not living their lives by faith in Jesus. God's wrath is still on them. They will experience death and judgment and separation from God forever. This is what the Bible teaches. But Paul believes better things for those in Rome, as he says in verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So the Christian has Experience this supernatural invasion of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit has taken up residence. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. He, not a force. You get it? The Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, has taken up residence in you. And now the Holy Spirit changes your thoughts and your heart so you think more in line with the things of God. There is now conviction. Conviction. There now is an understanding of truth. There now is a discernment that wasn't there before because of the Holy Spirit. Believers can hear when the Holy Spirit convicts you, right? It says, no, no, don't do that. Don't don't go that way. We can hear these things now that we're believers, but we can also hear them and not do anything about it. What if I said, "Ah, there's warnings going off. Let's just stay up here. We can take a chance and are up there singing in the choir. Oh, we, that's fine if it comes through. No, 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 no. We want to hear and respond to the word of God. We want to be sensitive to what God is doing. And by God's grace, we can do that as the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. Now, I know some of you may think, yeah, okay, the Trinitarian invasion, the Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit. Now now I can listen to the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. I feel conviction, and that's that's all good. But I'm still in this body, and this body is no longer cooperating with me. It's falling apart. So how does that all come into play? Well, let's keep going. Verses 10 and 11. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. All right, here's here, just kind of a quick shot here. Christ is in you through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You're made new. You're growing closer to the Lord. You're walking in holiness and yet your body is, is, let's just say it, right? It's deteriorating. It is. All of us. Yeah. Tell me something I don't know, right? It's like your body's not cooperating with you. It has problems. It's breaking down. It's stressing out. You're getting sick. It's faltering. And you know it's just part, part of this, this world. And maybe you feel like your body has failed you. You, you move to the village healthy. And it's been all downhill since then, right? We have a big hill in front of our house. I mean, a big old hill in front of our house. And kids like to ride their bikes down it. Um, and so there one day, this girl was on a scooter. She was coming down this big hill. And she I guess she got scared on her scooter. And so she hit the brakes, the front brakes, locked up. She flipped over, and she was on the hill screaming and crying. Well, last night, A kid was on his bike, and I guess he was all excited to go down the hill. And he came down the hill and smashed right into our mailbox. Yeah, that that hurt. And and what happens, kids are excited as they're up top and they can't wait. (laughs) And as they start to (laughs) go down, they're like, uh oh. That's pretty much how it is for you when you came into the village. You were excited, you were pumped. You're like, oh, well, yeah, this is the greatest. But then over time, there have been some problems and some challenges. And, and so, a lot of that is with health, right? And you're like, I want to, man, how does that all fit in? My declining health? How does that all fit in? Well, well, the good news, according to this passage here, it says, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. So when you die, Your soul goes to be with the Lord, but one day at the return of Christ, your bodies will come together with your souls, and you you will live forever in this glorified resurrection body. And we are told right here that the Holy Spirit is going to be the one who pulls it off. So don't be discouraged with your declining body. May it make you think, I'm bound for glory. I'm bound for glory. The resurrection body is coming one day. The Holy Spirit is going to pull it off. No amen. I'm just got one hallelujah. All right. Need some more amens from that. I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but glory's coming. All right. Now, the last part here on the Holy Spirit ministers best through our cooperation. This, I mean, if you haven't been paying attention yet, you got to pay attention here. All right. Verses 12 and 13. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Follow the logic. Believers, we're not yet in heaven. There's still this struggle going on. But since there's no condemnation aimed at us and the Holy Spirit is living in us, we can put sin to death and we can live for the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. It would be insane for you to go back to your old ways of sin. It would be insane for you to put yourself back under the rule of sin and Satan. So, someone has put it like this. It's like, a, let's say a, a girl has a boyfriend, and this boyfriend is like a drug dealer. He abuses her. He cusses at her. He's mean to her. She dumps him and gets a new boyfriend who is kind, who is nice, who thinks about her and how to benefit her, what is her obligation to her old boyfriend? Nothing. Zelcho, zip, nothing. My brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to sin. You have no obligation to obey your old ways. In fact, what we're going to see here in a moment, you are to put to death... You are to kill the old ways. Don't kill your old boyfriend, but you're supposed to kill old ways. You're living under a new master now. And and, and it says, it says, verse 13, but if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And he's just describing the Christian life. And part of the Christian life is putting to death the deeds of the body basically you've heard it before you know you better be killing sin or it's going to be killing you right you got to kill sin you have to put it to death and you're thinking what does that mean well Jesus he's pretty aggressive with this as well you know remember he talks about that passage on uh, lust like if you lust after a woman what are you supposed to do well you're supposed to cut off arms and poke out eyes that seems pretty violent right it's a metaphor about it. get aggressive with killing sin, and, and Paul also says in Colossians three, you need to put to death the deeds of the body. Put to death the deeds of the body. Put to death sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness with the idolatry, and on and on and on. You can read that. Put these things to death. Do not let them reign in your mortal bodies. Put them to death. And it's get this. It's not just put to death so you can live a holy life. Now, that's part of it. But it's also put to death so that you can love and it help, you know, be a part of advancing God's kingdom. Because when you are in sin, you're not helping anybody else. So let me just kind of throw this at you about putting things to death. And it, this, is, this is kind of some terminology I like to use if you're dealing with stuff. It's, it's confess it, kill it, replace it. Confess it, kill it replace it. Confess sin, kill sin, replace sin. Let's say that you have um, been wasting way too much time on the internet, on the computer. You're like, man, I'm just wasting time. I'm not being very productive. I'm not helping anybody else. I'm just wasting hour upon hour. Confess it, kill it, replace it with serving others. Or maybe, you know, we always dog on guys, but we, we don't talk about women enough and what some of the things that they may be struggling with. I mean, maybe some women in here are are reading books that you shouldn't be reading. It's like, hey, you probably shouldn't be reading that. Confess it, kill it, replace it with the Word of God. Or maybe some of you who have some issues with anger, you know, you can say, well, I'm not that mom. Well, I'm just I get irritated by my kids, so I get so angry. Don't don't make up excuses for your anger. Confess it. Kill it. Replace it with the fruit of the spirit. Do you see how that works? Confess it, kill it, but be sure you replace it with something positive that glorifies the Lord. Because if you are not dealing with these things in your life, you're going to be hindered from living for the glory of God, and you're going to be hindered in serving other people. God made you, saved you, put you in this village, not for your own fun. He put you here to love and serve other people. And you may have not read that in the brochure when you moved here, but that's the reason why he has you here, to love and serve other people to share the gospel with other people. But if you are distracted or caught up in sin and foolishness, you're not going to share the gospel with those who need it. You're not going to care for those who need it. And, and I'm going to put it to you like this. Now, I have, I, I, <laughs> this happened yesterday, and I, and I have my daughter's permission to share this. This is just too fun not to share. Um, uh, my 12-year-old daughter, my wife's out of town, so we've been going crazy. Uh, we, she was in, in the kitchen yesterday cooking all types of stuff, destroying the kitchen, and um, she got this thing out, which had nothing to do with her cooking. It's called a, a frother. I don't know, you know what a frother is? A guy's asked her wife. But anyway, so you push this button, and it, and it kind of goes down, and it, it's supposed to make uh, coffee and cappuccino. And, uh, but I, this had nothing to do with her cooking, by the way. But she had it, and she was messing around with it. It's like, oh, this feels so cool. This is awesome. And I said in the kitchen, stop messing. I tell my kids that probably three, four times a day. Stop messing. Put it on my tombstone. Stop messing. Stop messing. So she's still doing this. And I go into my room, and then she comes to my room, and she's cracking up because she got this thing stuck in her hair. (laughs) We are cracking up. Ain't no way to get it out. How do you get it out? Cut that hair. This thing is supposed to be made for serving drinks and loving other people, right? Here's some coffee. Here's a little cappuccino. That's what it's for. My brothers and sisters, what I'm getting at is some of you are messing. Some of you are messing. God wants you to serve other people, but you're you're just caught up doing your own thing. It's silliness what you're into. God has called you to care for people, to love people. We're talking about supernatural living for natural people. With supernatural living, we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Don't be messing around. He has called us to serve other people, to love other people, to share the gospel with others. The Holy Spirit of God, is in it is not time to, at the end of your life, say, I'm going to be messing around. I'm just going to coast until I'm with Jesus. No, he's put you here for a reason, and he wants to use you to bring him glory. So stop messing. That's right. Supernatural living for natural people.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. By God's while. have a blessed day as you walk along the way.